Rich people from all over the world are flying in. The chauffeurs are driving the Cadillacs down. This is the biggest thing in all history. When I'm when I'm gone, Boston is gone. The greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali, January seventeenth, nineteen forty-two. To June 3rd, 2016, Vin, the greatest of all time, the greatest heavyweight of all time, Muhammad Ali, is now out of pain and is on to the next journey. And here on earth, we will lament him. And um, he is truly a legend, uh, the greatest of all time in the sport, his impact. Um, nobody has even come close. Muhammad Ali has passed on, my friend. Yeah, man, it's a it's a sad day for the sport of boxing. It it really is. I mean, you just it, he, Ali's one of those guys you got to appreciate just being around to witness the life of such a just a dynamic person on every level, man. Just the way that he touched the world. Not not I mean, he's he was so much bigger than boxing. Boxing was like if you look at what he did and what he's what he was as a man over his lifetime, Boxing was just the thing that gave him the platform to do what he really wanted to do. And it, it's, there will, there will never, ever be another athlete ever that comes close to the level of world superstardom, just being able to be recognized. He's the one guy I think you put a picture up in a village in the middle of nowhere. And I bet you a kid would, would say, oh, Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah. And if, you know, and, you know, people will throw names out there like, you know, Michael Jordan and, yeah. you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, if you go to that same village and uh, you showed them a picture of Michael Jordan, they probably wouldn't know. They, they might not know who he is, but if you showed them a pair of Air Jordans, they would know what those are. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, because Jordan was more of a brand. Yeah. You know, Ali branded himself in his career, and, you know, he created this persona, but the thing was his persona was him. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it was, it was, yes. Was there ever anybody to say any more true to what they believed in? And no matter what anybody else thought, he was like, this is what I believe and I will fight for it. I, yeah. I you know, they're, they're, that's very rare. Very rare. Yeah. I mean, you know, he spoke louder um, than any, you know, boxer before him. I mean, there yeah. have been some flamboyant characters throughout the years, but nobody took it to the level that he did. Uh, nobody came out and said the things that he said at the time in America, um, you know, when he went after Sonny Liston the first go around. I mean, that was some of the most brutal commentary. And he really defined himself in the lead into that fight. We knew who he was. We knew who he was when he won the Olympic gold medal in the light heavyweight division. Um, uh, back in 1960, you know, when he was in the Olympics. And, you know, but when he reached to that level, when he went after Sonny Liston, Sonny Liston was the big bad bear, and he dropped so much mental warfare oh on Sonny God. Liston. It defined him. It elevated the character. It, 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 it really transformed him in a lot of ways, and I know it was his religious beliefs that inevitably did, in, uh, from Cassius Clay the American gold medalist hero boxer, right. right, into this flamboyant character that we came to love as Muhammad Ali. Yeah, and look, I, <clears throat> what, what, what Ali was able to do as far as when he got in the ring as a heavyweight against guys that were way bigger than him. I mean, this guy was able to be just a – uh, and these days, standards, a severely small heavyweight. Oh, yeah. I mean, a Vander Holyfield-sized heavyweight. Yeah, and for him to be able to be in an era of heavyweights that I don't think we'll ever see again. No. I mean, that's no. the greatest era of heavyweight boxing that yeah, there ever was. Yeah, 70s heavyweights is the greatest of all time. Yeah, I mean, even one through eight, even the, the lower tier of opponents that he faced, the, the Ernie Shavers of the world, those guys – we're killers, man. Those guys, when they hit you, I'm sorry. There, there's not too many punchers in boxing that could that could punch like like the shavers of the world back then. And Ali, as much as he proved to be a just the slickest, smoothest, I mean, kind of, he almost redefined what pretty boxing looks like as a as a as a heavyweight. There's, oh. there's not too many guys that can make it look that pretty. No, no. And if you really want a reference point, anybody listening to this show, just go on YouTube. And, and 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 in their search bar, enter the amazing speed of Muhammad Ali. Um, and you will hear it with a similar background track to the tribute uh, intro that we created um, for Muhammad Ali uh, leading into this sec uh, segment here on episode 119 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast um, by the X's. Uh, it's called Intro. We went ahead and dubbed some of uh, Ali's great um, proclamations. And, um, you know, just wanted to pay a little bit of tribute to him. But if you if you Google the amazing speed of Muhammad Ali, it is it's a great compilation of what everybody touts and praises and sweats Floyd Mayweather for doing it against guys that were absolute killers, showing his defensive prowess and his ability, how hard he was to hit. And then the the video just closes with perfection and just these lightning fast flurries like you have never seen a big man throw. Uh, ever since and probably never will. Yeah, we don't see welterweights with the footwork of Ali. Everybody no. always tries to emulate the Ali shuffle. I'm sorry, man. You you might as well stop. Don't do it. Because <laughs> it, it cannot be done the way he did it. The guy's feet were unbelievable. I, I, I'm just sorry. I don't think there... A lot of people will argue that Ali wasn't the greatest heavyweight of all time. 
I'm sorry. I, I really don't think there's a question in the matter. No, neither do I. I mean, come on. He fought Liston twice. He fought Floyd Patterson twice. He fought Joe Frazier three times. He fought Ken Norton three times. Um, dude, he got in the ring with George Foreman when nobody wanted to get in the ring with him. No. Uh, against all odds, everybody thought he was going to absolutely kill him, and Ali put on display the thing that defines him for me in the ring. Um, you know, it speaks to his intelligence in life and um, his thoughtfulness in general. He gave a lot of thought to how he was going to fight fights, and he thought that, you know, I'm going to implement this strategy. I'm going to see if I can wear this big, strong SOB out. And he sure enough did, and he ended it in just emphatic fashion. And it was one of the great boxing IQ, boxing intelligence, just one of the great boxing performance of a guy who flat out played a better hand of cards than his opponent. Oh, yeah, he was, he was way smarter on a ring IQ level than anybody. And what he was able to do and for – look, I really – even to this day, to me, I don't think that was a strategy that Ali had coming into that fight – I think it was a strategy that he knew after round one, I better start doing this because I can't run from this guy Mm -hmm. all night. I'm going to have to just let him wear himself out while I rest. Mm -hmm. I I don't – that's just a – to come into a fight and say that's what I'm going to do, I mean, he very well could have. I mean, there's quotes coming into the fight where he talks about I'm going to lure the bull to sleep. Yeah. I mean, mean, he says it throughout the, you know, the lead up to the fight. And, you know – Look, I was just going to say it speaks to I, – I thought it even more speaks to his adaptability in the ring to be able to say, this is what I have to do to beat this guy. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm going to have to get punished on the ropes. Yeah. I mean, how many fights did you see him have to make adjustments in? You know what I mean? I mean, switching strategies on the fly, there was no better. No. Um, especially during the time than Muhammad Ali. You know, we could sit here and break down all the fights. There's, there, there's people that are a lot older than us, you know, 15, 20 years, 30 years older than us that are alive that will allow to wax poetic on the career mm-hmm. of Muhammad Ali in the ring. They were there. They witnessed it. Like Vince said, I mean, look, growing up, I remember him always being a figure, being in the news, being like revered in the same conversation. Like, like, like when you heard big names, you heard Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson, Muhammad Ali. Like yeah. These were worldwide global names. Um, you know, so we'll let those people, you know, sort of talk about what it was like to watch those fights live and, um, you know, and really break down all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, my, the, like the most indelible memory that I have of Muhammad Ali um, in my life was at the 1996 Atlanta Games mm-hmm. when, uh, when he lit the torch. And it was a shock to everybody when it happened. And I remember that vividly because I can tell you what, when those Olympics were happening in Atlanta, dude, I was dialed in. I'm dialed in for all the Olympics. You are. You know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> dude, I get into them. I give you credit for that. Yeah. I can't. Dude, and I, you know, that, that is a, uh, a memory. I remember it was the first time I really saw him um, in a public spotlight, and I really realized how uh, Parkinson's was taking control of him at that point. Yeah, and that's all we really got to see. We never really got to see the greatness. I mean, I've seen it on video. I think I've watched every major fight that you would, Ali fight that you would want to watch. Uh, and this is coming from a guy who, look, Joe Frazier is my favorite boxer of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Joe Frazier. I, I love what he was as a fighter. But I can sit here and tell you right now that whether Frazier won the first fight or not, and he did, and that was uh, an Ali coming off missing three and a half years of his prime in jail not the same fighter. When you watch video of Ali pri- three and a half, four years prior to that first Frazier fight, just not the same. Still unbelievable, but not as quick. He had gained a little weight, not just not as fleet of foot. I, 
I'll sit here and tell you right now, Ali was the better fighter in all three of those fights. You knew it. Frazier's heart is what won him the first fight, period. Yeah, very similar to Vander Holyfield and Riddick Bowe. Yeah. You know what I yep, mean? I mean, exactly. It was, uh, the only reason that Holyfield was even competitive with a boxer like Bo was because of pure heart, and he had more heart than most. And, and Muhammad Ali was much the same way. And, you know, something even uh, speaks to an epidemic that's going on in boxing today. Um, everybody wants the easiest road to the biggest payday. Whereas Ali was a showman. He, he wanted to perform. He was like a great actor that's addicted to theater. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He wants to be out on stage because he loves the attention, thrives in the attention. It's the best version of himself. He glowed in the limelight. He wanted to be in the ring with the biggest names, and he wanted to shine. And that is something that very few fighters today are. And that's one of the reasons why unanimously most people i mean look look everybody acknowledges triple g's greatness on on some level some people might think that he's overrated but i think the thing that makes people gravitate to a fighter like triple g in today's boxing landscape and it's so impossible to compare it to back in the day yeah but the some you know the similarity i draw is that golovkin is a showman you know and very few showmen exist in today's game terrence crawford wants to go out there and put on a show right and he he will dig deep to make sure that he puts on that show. Everybody criticized the guy like Crawford coming up, saying that he was too much of a boxer, that he wasn't a finisher. Dude, his last seven or eight fights, Crawford has turned into one of the best finishers in boxing. Oh, yeah. And Muhammad Ali loved all of it. He loved the spectacle. He loved the microphone in his face. He said some of the most memorable quotes of all time. Took stances that were highly controversial during the times. Um, but stood by his beliefs all along the way. A man that was very human in every sense of the word, had great regrets. I remember I did a, um, a paper in college uh, for a uh, history class that I took, a modern American history class, and we had to emulate, we had to do an impersonation of a famous person that impacted society from that time frame. And Muhammad Ali was the person that I chose. So, so I did a presentation as, as myself, you know, uh, telling the story of Muhammad Ali, like, saying that I'm Ali and I'm telling everybody how I grew up and how I got where, you know, uh, you know, how I accomplished the things that I accomplished. But one of the things that stuck out to me was some of his regrets. Like, he was a flawed man. You know, he said before he got sick in interviews, he said one of the biggest regrets that he had in his entire life was that he felt he let uh, Malcolm X down, that he felt that when Malcolm X became more radicalized and things started to get really, really crazy, that Ali felt that as close as he was to Malcolm X and the influence that X had on his life, that he could have stepped in and perhaps even prevented the downward spiral that inevitably led to the hatred, the assassination, and all these things. He felt he could have impacted that result, and that's something that weighed on him. And I'm sure whatever was going on in his head, we we can't understand the thoughts of Ali as he got old and got sick and you know, uh, a disease that attacks the nervous system takes hold. But I, I assure you, it's it's something that as a human, we all we all take our regrets to the grave in some way, shape, or form. And Ali was flawed in that way. But what made him great was is that he associated with those that wanted to make changes, you know, changes in society, changes in uh, in sport, changes in opportunity. I mean, Ali spoke out in a, in a way today that some, some people get chastised for being a little obnoxious and over the top, but he did it during a, a time when he wasn't even allowed to sit up at the lunch counter and have a sandwich. No, you're, you're exactly right. And look, man, I, I just don't think there, it was like a, his, his prime of his career and what he was able to do on a, on a social and political level and a philanthropical level it was like the perfect storm, dude. Mm-hmm. The world was changing in the in the seventies, sixty, late sixties, early seventies. Yep. 
And he was the perfect mouth for all of it. And there was just, the guy was, as much as he was a showman in the ring, he was even more of a showman outside of the ring. Sure. I mean, I think that's where he built his career, on the stances that he took. And a lot of people hated it at first, man. I mean, they really did. A lot of people did not get behind. Look, he, 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 he draft dodged. And there was a big part of society that was like, hey, you live in this country. You need to defend this country. Well, he didn't believe in that. And that's what he stood for, and he refused to let anybody tell him, this is what I had to do. And, I, dude, I, to me, I, that's what I respect about him more than anything. Yeah. And I, I just – there's just never going to be another – anybody across any sport that will ever reach what he has reached. Yeah, and you know what? And, and, and people don't get it wrong because that's the part people remember in history with the documentaries and the videos is him, him um, you know, refusing to go into military service. And, you know, people today still have opinions about attitudes like that, right? Right, right. But people need to realize was it, that it wasn't necessarily, and, and, you know, I'm a veteran of this country's army, so, you know, I, I look down upon, you know, anybody that, uh, you know, would dodge service, mandatory service to the country. But it wasn't that he didn't want to fight for his country. It was that he didn't have any problem with that enemy and did not believe in that war. Because later on in life, when the Cold War was at its peak, you know, during the, seven, the late 70s and early 80s, he spoke out loudly against anti-communist, like he wanted nothing to do. He was a proponent of the U- United States' stance on the Cold War. So he, was, he just believed in what he believed in passionately, and he didn't contradict himself in the process. No, and that's, that's hard to come by <laughs> to find in any person. You re- it's, it's just a, an, you know, a trait that most people don't have. I mean, but Ken, the guy, I, I, forgive me for not knowing the details of it, but I know he negotiated the release of 12 prisoners, of 12 people that were held captive in a, somewhere in the Middle East, and he stayed there for an extended period of time to get this done. There's, how many people could have done that where he could go there and get the respect immediately yeah. of whoever he's in front of? That's motherfucking Muhammad Ali. Yeah, uh, I'm at least going to listen to what he said <laughs> or what he has to say. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, I, I'm sorry, man. We we lost a one of one of the greatest people to ever live uh, beyond boxing, beyond yeah. everything. Yeah, he's transcendent, no doubt about it. Um, we'll eulogize him throughout the week. Um, you know, ceremonies will be had. Um, they're going to have his funeral service in a twenty-two thousand seat arena. Um, tickets will be made available first come, first serve, and uh, they're going to do a parade in Louisville, Kentucky, um, in the honor of Muhammad Ali, formerly known as Cassius Clay. Uh, from Louisville, Kentucky. It'll be uh, a great week to remember one of the greatest of all time. I'm glad he's out of pain. Um, you know, the the conversation is starting to evolve. You know, people are still remembering and such, but there are, you know, those that are a little, I don't know, I guess we just call them trolls. Jackasses. Yeah, you know, retards uh, that jump out, and they just jump in with, oh, Floyd Mayweather's resume dominates uh, Muhammad Ali's, you know, but in their prime, Ali would definitely beat Floyd. And it's like, oh, my. When you when you finish that statement like that, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's absolutely no chance they would have ever fought because there's about a 60-pound uh, weight difference. Yeah, a little bit. 70. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> That's just I, guys like that, I don't know, man. I continually entertain them because it's entertaining for me uh-huh. to just fucking knock their dick in the dirt because they're <laughs> retards. <laughs> but uh, I really, I, I'm getting tired of it. I need to, I need to just be like, all right, dude. I, I, you have to just realize that this guy's a freaking idiot. Just <laughs> do not respond. <laughs>
Oh man. Yeah. You know, that's uh, I don't think that's really a question. I mean, look, Muhammad Ali passing away. I think it kind of speaks to, uh, there's a, a, a layer of sadness and regret. And I don't know if it's amongst those that control the sport now, but definitely amongst the boxing fans of, you know, it's a passing of an era, you right. know, it's, 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 it's that end line. Um, in our intro song, when 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 Ali says, "When I'm gone, boxing is gone." Yeah, you know, and scary thought because it is, it is <laughs> the where where boxing is right now. It's like, oh my god, is it? Yeah, if it ain't gone, it's yeah, slowly on its way. Yeah, I mean, for all of Floyd's physical greatness and his boxing greatness, and and you know how 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 good he was as an individual, his impact on the sport has been absolutely horrific. Um, it's been the worst thing that that yeah. has ever happened to boxing. And, you know, for people to come out and write articles about Floyd Mayweather paying respects to Muhammad Ali, he has spit on Muhammad Ali's career ever since he became a champion, always proclaiming himself as the greatest of all time. When people asked him who were the five greatest fighters of all time, he would leave Muhammad Ali off his top five list. Like, he would do stuff purposely to try to, like, manipulate people into believing that his bullshit and his concocted and manufactured career is anywhere near this. He he should be ashamed of himself. And if, it, if, if, this, if this death meant something more to those out there than just hashtagging Muhammad Ali and RIP Muhammad Ali so they can get their face out there for, you know, what's happening now, what's trending now. Right. Everybody acting like they care. You know what I mean? Dude, look at what Floyd Mayweather has, his impact that he has had on boxing today. And you know what? As far as I'm concerned, Muhammad Ali's quote of saying, when I'm gone, boxing is gone, that was a different sport when Muhammad Ali fought. That was a different game. It was a different fight game. It was boxing at its peers. So the sport is gone because what is left is this skeletal remain of nonsense where at least on the, uh, you know, the weekend that the great one, Muhammad Ali, passes away, we are able to uh, bear witness to one of the greatest fights of probably the last three or four years in boxing and Francisco Vargas versus Orlando Salido. And it basically delivered the definition of the heart and the effort and the warrior mentality and the showmanship that Muhammad Ali displayed throughout his entire career. Yeah, you couldn't have a better matchup fall on the night that Muhammad Ali died because these two guys paid a complete tribute to not only Muhammad Ali, but the sport of, of boxing, man. An unbelievable display of heart and will and... I'm sorry. There's some people that think that that fight doesn't involve skill. Uh, you are seriously confused because those are two of the slickest inside fighters. There was some maneuvering going on on the inside that it's 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 world class. It's beyond world class. It, those unbelievable inside fighting you do not get. It wasn't just guys throwing punches. This was guys working on the inside and and changing up their game plan and. I, I, you, it was the funnest fight I've watched in two years, man. Yeah, no, it was fantastic, man. It was great. Um, Vargas, man, I, I tell you what, this dude is relentless. Orlando Salido, relentless. These two guys would not allow themselves to give up at any point in this fight. I mean, <clears throat> Vargas had Salido on the ropes in trouble in the sixth and the tenth round. Yeah, he did. And Salido blinked for a second. I mean, he staggered him twice in the sixth round in, in the same exchange. And as soon as Salito hit the ropes and Vargas closed in on him, Salito is mounting a counterattack. It was, it was like that all night long. Yeah. I, the way Salito fought off the ropes. Now you just, when you think this guy's getting old or you're questioning it, that was the youngest. I think I've ever seen Salito look in a fight. 
I mean, it was technically the best I've seen him in. A, in, in this guy is probably se- ever. Yeah, this guy is seriously getting better with age, which is unbelievable. He looks to be in the best shape of his career coming into that fight. He's walking in the ring. I'm going. I don't think I've seen Salito in this good a shape ever, mm-hmm. ever. 35, getting ready to turn 36 years old, and the wars he's been in. 60 fights, 20 years. You just don't get that anymore. This Four four fight of the year candidates in a row. Vargas is going to be in back-to-back fight of the years. If this fight is not, I, I, I really don't see how this fight can be beaten as fight of the year by any existing matchup. No, because right it's the best fight probably since Bradley versus Provodnikov. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It probably is. That, that's as far as you can go back to match this fight. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, Vargas and Salito both took beatings. Uh, Salito's face extremely swollen. Vargas cut both eyes. The cheese grater eye was um, mm. looking horrible. Dude, that cut over the left eye that opened up late. Yeah. Oh, it was a two, three-inch long cut, it looked like. The decision was a majority draw, 114, 114 times two, and 115, 113 for, for Francisco Vargas. Um, I heard a lot of people scoring it. 115-113 for Orlando Salido. Either way, I think that if ever a fight deserved a draw, it was this one. And we've talked about fights and the hype of these fights. And, you know, you know, uh, Provodnikov, Matisse, okay, yeah, well, that was a fight of the year candidate, and it was actually a fight of the year finalist. But that fight kind of delivered maybe like eh, 5% under the expectation of what we thought that fight was going to be. No, it was yeah. like almost what we thought it was going to yeah. be, but it was good enough, right? Yep. This fight is the first fight that we've talked about that is a fight of the year candidate. There have been some that have delivered. This one went way beyond what the expectation and the hype behind it was. I mean, the skill of this fight, like you said, Vince, I agree 100%. A tact, tactic-filled fight. Yeah. These guys using maneuvers and counter-punching. just hitting on, punching on the hip, using his head. I mean, veteran yeah. tactics. But, dude, if you can implement those and not get caught, that is a part of the book of boxing right there. Sure. I, I'm sorry. You, you don't can call beat, it dirty if you want to. Exactly. And you can catch him. And you can call it dirty the way he won the fight against Vasily Lomachenko. Oh, yeah. But guess what? He still beat arguably the best boxer on the planet. Yeah, man. I, 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 I hope that fight gets made, boy. <laughs> not, to, not to even stop talking about this fight, but, man, you mentioned that. Oh, well, after seeing Salido last night, yeah, and, and, and Lomachenko starts to make you question uh, picking Lomachenko a little bit. Well, it? well, here we go. Here we go. We got the ultimate litmus test, and we'll get to this later on in the show when we preview Rocky Martinez versus Vasily Lomachenko for, mm-hmm. for this very same junior lightweight division's uh, 130 pound crown in the WBO. We we will have the ultimate litmus test because Orlando Salido, prior to this fight of the year with Francisco Vargas, faced Rocky Martinez two times in a row. I mean, yeah. these guys are are just this is like a gigantic orgy of great boxing. <laughs> it really is. No, it seriously is, man. I mean, you could just round robin that shit. All four of those guys. Oh, for the rest of their careers. Yeah. Uh, well, I feel bad for those guys. That's a <laughs> that ain't gonna last but a few years. But oh man, oh man. I I, I feel you know. You like to see that it was a draw. You feel like it deserved to be a draw. You'd, you'd hate to see a loser in that fight. But to be one of those guys and to go, to hear the draw and go, are you fucking kidding me, man? Again? I just, yeah, especially Salito, yeah. who got yeah. robbed last time. Yeah. Like, I just risked my life. I put my life on the line in 24 rounds and I've got two draws. You got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Seriously, dude. 
That's that's just so. It's got to be so uh, disappointing, man. Where, where does Orlando Salido and Francisco Vargas fall on your favorite fighters in boxing? Like I, I know it's hard to always remember what you had said the last time and right. know, whatever your list is, but you have an idea who your five favorite are. You know, you know, yeah, five favorite fighters. Yeah, Johnny are. come lately. Yeah, look. I, I think what Salido has turned into in the last two years, if if he is not one of your three or four favorite fighters to watch. Yeah, you don't you, like this sport. Yeah, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, you got your dick in your ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a feat right there, too. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope they don't use their feet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, dude, Salido is... The same embodiment, we give it like the same level of respect to guys that we give like Ruslan Provodnikov. And guys have been have been stoking the conversation. They say, ah, well, hey, if Arturo Gotti's in the Hall of Fame, which most people don't have a problem with, no. why wouldn't a guy like Orlando Salido get in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. And, and a guy on another podcast, a caller, says, if Arturo Gotti's in the Hall of Fame for fighting all of these amazing fights, right? That That's the purpose that he's there. He's not there for Hall of Statistics, right? No. Not, he's not there for the Hall of the Perfect Record. No. It's the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame. Fame is memory. It's it's legend. It's You know what I mean? It's it's the spotlight. And Orlando Salido, if, it, if, if we're talking about great fighter who's in great fights that has been to war in multiple, multiple events that are memorable, we're going to remember Orlando Salido down the road as a guy that put it all on the line. I mean, this guy is Arturo Gotti and Mickey Ward's trilogy spirit wrapped up into a little Mexican 130 pounder. I know, man. It's, a, it's insane. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Salido deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for all the points that you just made right there. The guy entertains the, the fans of the sport, period. Over the last two or three years, what this guy has turned into is just, he's must watch. If you're a boxing fan, it's must watch. To me, that's that's the, that defines a Hall of Famer right there. If you have to see this guy fight, yeah. If you have to, yeah. And if you don't, if you're a boxing fan and you you define Orlando Salido as, eh, I'll get to it later. I, I don't, I'm not a big Salido fan. I, I really don't think you like boxing. I, I you 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 need to question that. No, you fall asleep, blacked out. With your limp dick in your hand, watching Erislandi Laura reruns on ESPN. <laughs> that's yeah. Does it sound about right? Yeah, that sounds about perfect. Yep. Oh, <laughs> fell asleep with his dick in his hand again. <laughs> oh man, Francisco Vargas versus Orlando Salida from the StubHub Center, Carson, California, HBO Boxing After Dark. Francisco Vargas retains his WBC Junior Lightweight Championship, and these two are chomping and ready and raring. Salido says he wants back in the ring for a rematch in November. Oh, calm down, guys. Let's uh, let our wounds heal. Francisco Vargas is going to have to cheese great the other eye to get it ready for the next fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure how long them eyes are going to last, man. They keep Ooh. getting busted up like that. I, I mean, but, he, but he's not that much of a bleeder, though. Like, like yeah, it's, when Gabe Rosado gets cut up like that, it's like, ah, oh, get this man an IV. Yeah, I, that, very strange. And I, I, I noticed that, and I'm glad you pointed it out because that, the way the size of that cut over that oh, uh, right eye was the left, the left eye yeah. at the end of the fight. Oh, both eyes at the end of the fight. Uh, I, it, and it wasn't bleeding. It's a, that gash was a half inch wide. <laughs> yeah. A Mexican's got thick skin, you know? <laughs> All right, so the co-feature, Julian Ramirez versus Abraham Lopez, met with much controversy at the end of the fight. This was what we pitched as being an even fight. Two guys undefeated, top prospects in Golden Boys 
ranks coming up through the Belasco Theater and the LA Fight Club. These guys get put pitted together. Oscar De La Hoya is testing his guys on their way up. Julian Ramirez, Abraham Lopez. This was a fight. Uh, it was a tale of two halves. It was it was two five round fights that looked completely different to me. Um, early on in this fight, Vince Abraham Lopez was effective. He was powerful. Julian Ramirez was relentless. He kept punching with him. It was pretty even. You can score the first five rounds of the fight, 4-1 Lopez or 4-1 Ramirez. It it just just really depended on what you were watching, what you were looking for. Mm -hmm. The controversy to me didn't come in how you really scored the first half of the fight. It was the second half of the fight. And not you in particular. I'm just saying generally speaking. Right. Because Abraham Lopez had clearly blown his wad by the sixth round. And he was arm punching. He was running. He was on the ropes. Julian Ramirez was not protecting himself. He was relentless. He kept coming forward. He kept hitting Abraham Lopez. He countered everything that Lopez threw, but he did not defend himself. And I think if I'm making an excuse for judges' scorecards that I think are absolutely fucking horrendous and deplorable, and all three of these motherfuckers should be fired. That's that's how I really feel about it. But if I were to defend these guys, the only defense I can make is, is... that Lopez kept hitting Ramirez because he wasn't playing defense. Yeah, and I, 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 look, we talked about it before the show started, and I think this is going to be one of Julian Ramirez's problems in his career, and I think he's a great fighter. And I think I, I scored the fight 96-94 for Lopez, and I know I'm in the minority on that. And I, wanna, I haven't watched it a second time, and I'd like to go back and watch it a second time. But to me... What the difference is in that fight was, was, and I think Julian Ramirez will have this problem moving forward, is a lot of his punches seem to get very short and army, and there's not a lot behind them. And as a judge, if you see a guy like Lopez winging wild shots, whether he lands as much as or not, it just sticks with you more. And I, I think that maybe that may have been the case for me, because I know Ramirez landed more punches and threw more punches. And I, I am going to go back and watch this fight a second time and rescore it and see what happens. I, I don't think this hurts Ramirez moving forward. I think most everybody is under the assumption that the kid deser- deserved to win. But look, uh, he's uh, maybe he needs to move down. We've talked about it because I, I just don't think he's got the punching power. And especially Abraham Lopez uh, uh, was aggressive for the first six rounds. You know, what would happen if he got in the ring against a Jojo Diaz or and Oscar Valdez that are aggressive. Be like that the whole fight. Yeah, and I think Julian Ramirez would get would get mowed over. Well, he'd probably get beat. I mean, I, look, I think Ramirez is tough as nails. Yeah, I oh, think, he proved that. You know, I think he could take a pounding from anybody. Um, I just felt that when it came down to ring generalship, who the guy that was bringing the fight, you know, dude, if Julian Ramirez does not bring the fight, there is no fight. Abraham Lopez is on his back foot looking to pot shot, like you said, with, yeah. with wild shots. Yeah. So... Julian Ramirez gave Abraham Lopez his best opportunity by fighting a come-forward offensive style. But that's how Julian Ramirez fights. Yeah. He fights coming forward. But you pointed it out when we were talking before we went on air about how Julian Ramirez stays. It's not that he stays square, but every movement he makes is within a width of his shoulders. Yeah, he's very... Uh, he stays well, in his lane, literally. Right, yeah. he's not. I don't want to say regimented is not the, the right word, but he's very just structured in his, in his approach to how he fights. And it, it's not the most exciting-looking style. It really just isn't. And I think that's going to hurt him, man. And it, it sucks because the, the kid can fight. I mean, he's a very – I mean, the essence of, of pure boxer, this kid has it. He's got every bit of it. I, I hope it doesn't hurt him going forward, but I think it is. Yeah, well, 
I think a rematch sounds about right. Oh, I'd, <laughs> I'd like to see it. I thought that was a great fight, man. Yeah, let's do it. I enjoyed the hell out of that yeah, fight. Yeah, let's do it again. Let's run it back. Julian Ramirez uh, drops the decision to Abraham Lopez. Gabe Rosado, then Gabe Rosado doing the deal. Uh-oh. Uh, went in a close fight against Antonio Gutierrez, but Rosado looked like he may be better off moving up to 168. I think if there's if the rumors are true about a potential fight with him and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., sign me up, my friend. Oh, absolutely. Sign me absolutely. up. Absolutely. I mean, is it... <laughs> Is it a fight that anybody asked for, but it came out of nowhere and you hear it and you go, yeah, well, why the hell not? That yeah. sounds like a hell of a fight. Move up, be healthy and go against the guy that'll get you paid a little bit and yep. that you will probably beat. And Rosado deserves that. Absolutely. Um, Arthur Baturbia versus Ezekiel Moderna, PBC on ESPN. Vin, I did not even watch this fight. I didn't either. Okay. Did you have any question what the outcome was going to be? Nope. That's why I didn't watch it. <laughs> right. The result was what it was. I've seen better be of every single fight prior to this one. Yep. And I knew that this one would look exactly like the other ones. Yeah. I mean, he's get, get back on track fight. That's all it was. Yeah. So what's his path? Because Fonfara's fighting Joe Smith and Adonis Stevenson's fighting the weakest opponent he can possibly find. So he's basically held hostage right now in the PVC. Do you think that the better be of people want to have to go through Fonfara before they get a chance at Stevenson? I don't think they would. They would want that fight. I, I don't know. I, I, honestly, I don't know. Better BF seems disinterested. Yeah, he he he's talking about making a run back at the Olympics. He needs to get back in the ring quick. He does. I don't know. I just don't see why he would sign with the get PBC. Out of the, yeah, get no out of the path. fucking PBC. Kovalev man. has the three belts, and he wants the Kovalev fight. So what the fuck are you doing? Why? There? Yeah, who directed him to sign with Al Heyman? What a fucking mistake that was for his career. The same guy who's managing Adonis Stevenson's career. Yeah. I of the Tiger. Yvonne Michel. Liam Smith, Pedrag Radosevich. Um, Did you? I didn't even hear about it. Did you hear about it? Liam Smith won. Can you believe it? He beat Carrier Pigeon brought you the message? Yes, yes, yes. They sent a crow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, dude. I mean, come on. Liam Smith, Pedrag Radosevich. You're not going to pay much mind to these bullshit gratuitous fights. Nope where you purposely pick somebody who is an absolute bum to make your guy look good in a showcase fight. I'm sorry, man. I mean, this guy, you're a world champion. You cannot fight guys on this level. This guy is not a contender. He never will be, was never prospected to be. So why are you picking a guy that nobody's fucking heard of? Just like this guy that Chris Eubank's going to be fighting, right? He's sitting here spouting off at the mouth, oh, Triple G, I want Triple G. Haven't you guys heard? I've said I want Triple G. Meanwhile, in the background is this guy named Dazzlin Duran that nobody's fucking heard of. I can't tell if it's his, if it's his stripper name or if this guy actually really fucking exists. <laughs> I knew a guy one time named Dancing Dan. Yeah. I've never met a guy named Dazzlin Duran. And, and, dude, this is this guy's opponent. Meanwhile, all of his little fucking uh, limp dick casuals are out there going, oh, oh, Eubank is saying he wants to win a fight against Triple G. It's like, dude. Run to your fucking safe room, turn on your Nintendo and putch and, 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 and pet your fucking puppies. <laughs> Seriously, like stop the nonsense, the bullshit. Liam Smith, get in the fucking ring and fight somebody who's worth the shit. Okay? If you want to make yourself better than uh, your 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 loud mouth delusional brother Paul Smith, then get in the ring, fight who you're fucking supposed to fight. And Chris Eubank Jr., shut the fuck up. 
Oh my God, Eubank Jr. He's he's going to a completely different level of stratosphere of helmet dickheads. Yeah, uh, look, the the guy is a fucking knob. I mean, that's the easiest way. As to, they say in the UK, yeah, a bell end. Yeah, a bell end. Uh, just a fucking piece of shit, dude. And then, uh, it's it's look, we've talked about it, and me and you love UK boxing, and I, you know, the, the UK boxing scene to me right now is the best in the world, bar none. Absolutely. But like we've said before, that is coming with this swell of people that just don't know what they're watching, and they think Liam Smith versus Pedrag Radosevich. Uh, that all they care about is seeing Liam Smith. They don't care who he's fighting. They, they're, they're there for the brand of Liam Smith. That's not good for boxing, man. It, it just isn't. And they're, they're continually creating shit like that over there and here. It's no different in, in the United States either. But I, um, I just am getting a little, little fed up with it. And then you go to Eubank Jr., a kid that, I'm sorry, you, you don't stand a fucking chance against anybody in the top five in the middleweight division. You lost to B.J. Saunders, and B.J. Saunders gave up in the second half of that fight. He, he knew he had it in the bag, and he let you go to work, and you couldn't hurt B.J. Saunders. So what in the fuck makes you think you're going to get in the ring with Gennady Golovkin and survive more than three rounds? And if you tout that as a fan of him, pay attention, man, because you don't know what the fuck you're watching. Well, pay attention. Wait until... He actually gets in the ring with Golovkin. Wait or the anybody, in, every, anybody in the top ten. He's this, fighting Dazzling Duran. Dude, his career is going backwards, but yet he's convinced the casual fan over there. He wants to join the Olympics, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, so hold on a second. So you went from B.J. Saunders to Spike O'Sullivan to a, a, a no name after no name. Uh, Nick Blackwell, who yeah. you put in the hospital, who you had no business being in the fucking ring with right. whatsoever, to... To uh, fucking Dazzling Duran, to now you're upset because your father parlayed with the fucking uh, British Olympic uh, Association, the Boxing Association, and they said, sorry, bud, we've already got somebody that's earned this spot, that's qualified for this spot, but you want to regress? You're, you're, every step that Eubank has taken career-wise seeking out, fame. outside of his mouth has been backwards. Yeah. He's moving backwards. You're supposed to do the Olympics before you become a pro, you moron. And that goes for anybody out there that is a professional fighter that is seriously considering making the, uh, a run at the Olympics. Piss on you. Every yeah. single fucking one don't, of you. Don't take the spot from some kid who earned it, man. Some young kid that's been his dream for the last Just three years. Just because you failed when you were that age yeah. coming up, now you think it's easy pickings. Well, go ahead. You know what? Let... Let him jump back in there and get beat by a fucking amateur. Oh, I would love that. Oh, oh, I would absolutely love because I can guarantee you right now, um, the Ukraine produces some pretty damn good amateurs. Could you imagine Eubank getting fucking blanked by a a, <laughs> a Ukrainian amateur that you know eventually would have destroyed him in the in the pros anyways? Oh, that's a wet dream for me, Ken. <laughs> it's getting out of control, man. And if Liam Smith versus Miguel Cotto is the next fight, who gives a fuck? No. No, I, Miguel Cotto yeah, will go, destroy him. Right, and Cotto cherry-picks a belt from somebody that... Absolutely, he, and Smith thinks that he can beat him because he's been fucking beaten up on Pedrag Radosevich. Yeah, welcome to the real world where the, Miguel Cotto is a guy that you haven't even... The, the skill of him you haven't sniffed as an opponent yet. But you know what, man? Frank Warren has a giant shield. But Frank Warren has also become an obsolete with some of his tactics and the protection and shielding of yeah. his fighters. And his reputation... 
reputation all time will go down as a promoter that protected his guys with the Warren Boxing Association. Oh, absolutely. Warren Boxing Organization belt. Yeah, he, he's really no, – him and Eddie Hearn are no different. They really aren't. They They are protecting their fighters very well right now. Oh, man. It is like – the casual scene in a nutshell over in the UK right now, the casual scene, not not the diehard, loyal, uh, crazy boxing fans like you and I over there, the guys that know what's going on. But these casuals over there are, are have now been manipulated into believing that the narrative that is pumped through quotes and catered and perfectly constructed and well-plotted out interviews are now the actual truth of what is going on in boxing. You have fucking retarded casual fans, and they do it here in the United States, that think that the conversation of, oh, I might fight him, I would like to fight him, is the actual fight itself. Right. That's what it's been relegated to. Well, he said he wanted to fight, so obviously he wants to fight. What's your problem, Ken? I'm going to my safe space. (laughs) Here, don't forget your. Uh, you want to stop yelling? <laughs> don't forget your beanbag. <laughs> oh man, uh, you know what? I'm you thinking, want some stickers? Or I'm, I'm thinking about investing in in a, in a company. We we have a construction background. You and I do, right? So why don't we come up with a company? This is our shtick. This is our motto. We will build safe spaces for colleges and universities and all these liberal institutions Port- in the United States, right? Portable but, safe spaces, right? No, 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 no. Hey, no, no. Shh, shh, wait. We're we're divulging way too much fucking information. No, this happens. This conversation happens off the air. No, listen. But we dig those motherfuckers three hundred feet deep <laughs> down till we hit the fucking mantle and it's fucking molten lava <laughs> and let all the motherfuckers run to their safe spaces and fall to a fucking napalm of doom. <laughs> that sound about right? I can get on board with that. I'm down. Let's do it. Investors, sign up. Hit me up. Podcast at theboxingrant dot com. <laughs> PBC on Spike. Rancid Bartholomew versus Mickey Bay. Uh, More of stuff that I didn't watch. Yeah, man. Uh, Mickey Bay dropped Bartholomew in this fight. And uh, Bartholomew wins 117-110, 116-111. And Bay takes the card 117-110. And then guess what? This fight, which we talked about in the preview. How pre- does that fucking happen? <laughs> I have no idea. We talked about how pointless this fight was. Yeah. About how Mickey Bay made it pointless with his lack of desire to retain the belt that he had fought his entire life to win because he didn't want to tr- travel to fucking China. And what did I say? Nothing will. <clears throat> I said this in the preview show. Nothing will come of this fight. It leads nowhere. It doesn't even lead nowhere, Vin. <clears throat> they one-upped me in my prediction. It leads backwards because Rancid Bartholomew has fucking vacated the title. Are you serious? Yes. Uh, I, I, look, I, I really could care less what goes on in the PBC anymore. It's, it's, because of shit like that. It, it, Peter Quillen? Is Rancis Bartholomew relevant at all on anybody's radar? I don't even think PBC blowhards were watching this. They sure as fuck didn't promote this fight. I didn't hear a word about this fight. Not a word. On Spike. This is their worst card ever. You, we said that about the last one, but this is the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Caleb Plant knocks out Carlos Galvin. So, I, want, I want Gravata Davis to get the hell out of the PBC, man. He, but he beat Mario Messias Orozco. Well, I mean, he's on his way up, but I don't, you know, I, he's the one bright spot on that card. All right, let's keep on trucking here, man. Let's get some fight previews. Uh, HBO this weekend, Madison Square Garden. Roman Rocky Martinez coming off of a. Uh, a double header with Orlando Salido will defend his WBO junior lightweight championship against Vasily Lomachenko, who was widely considered to be the best featherweight in the world. Now stepping up to one thirty, 
and going for a belt and hopefully going for a rematch with Orlando Salido, Francisco Vargas. Hopefully this becomes, like you said earlier, a four-man round robin. Yeah, uh, you got to feel bad for Rocky Martinez in this fight, man. As as good as a fighter as he is, and to have come off two wars with Salido, and now you gotta you gotta face this technical monster, and and a guy that's just quite frankly is in a, in a at a technical aspect at that level is is a better boxer than all three of those guys, quicker to the target, just more refined, just an all around better fighter. You know, this is the the difference for Lomachenko coming up in this fight is are we going to find out can he handle guys that are that are proven beasts that that don't go away that will be there. We saw Lomachenko struggle against Salido when they fought. Martinez, you know, not the same fighter, but can go that route if he if he has to. It, it it's scary for Lomachenko, but I think we, me and you both know that. I, I just I I can't see this kid having any problems with, with Rocky Martinez. I really can't. Nah, man, this is going to be a uh, a reincarnation, a uh, a sequel to Yan Can Cook. I mean, this is just going to be slicing and dicing oh, yeah. all day long, just straight Ginsu style. In and out. Yeah, yeah. Vasily Lomachenko is going to chop Rocky Martinez up, man, serve him as sushi. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's you feel bad for Rocky, but I, I think that's going to happen as well. I, I can't see this fight going past 10 rounds, man. No. I, now, this will be a good fight. It'll be a fight that means something for Vasily Lomachenko. Um, you know, a guy who has not, been, has not fought all, that often, hasn't been all that wildly active. When he has been active, he's been on the undercard of pay-per-views. Against questionable, semi-questionable opponents lately. Sure, but even if it was a, a good fight. I mean, let's say, you know, the sequel to uh, Rocky Martinez, Orlando Salido, right? Salido Martinez, too. Mm-hmm. That was on the undercard of a Floyd Mayweather fight, and it yeah. got overshadowed by the event that it was on, even if it was a shitty event. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's, it's better to stand on your own two feet, and, and Lomachenko gets a headline slot here against Rocky Martinez, and I predict that he is going to walk away with a whitewash, uh, absolute shutout, and will raise the WBO 130-pound crown. And the chasing of Salido continues. Yes, sir. You, you know he wants that fight so bad. The guy's only lost two fights mm-hmm. in his entire career, amateur and pro. Yeah, He's avenged the one from the amateurs. He will avenge this one. <laughs> Felix Verdejo versus Juan Jose Martinez in the co-feature. This is a, uh, I guess, a seat filler. But there are a lot of questions even in mm. uh, Puerto Rico right now has, you know, about Felix Verdejo and, and, and his stock as a prospect. I mean, he was our top, our, our, our top prospect two years ago, and he's slowly s- sliding down the list. Has his stock fallen as his, you know, uh, it was already predetermined that he'd be the next Puerto Rican, great Puerto Rican fighter? Vince, is he the next Felix Trinidad as those had who, you know, had crowned him prior to him even breaking his hand and mm-hmm. going this soft route? Or is he really just the next Juan Ma Lopez? I don't know. I don't know. I Six months ago, eight months ago, I would have told you he is the next Trinidad without question. Over these past two fights, I'm starting to question whether – does Verdejo lack the punching power? Because when you watch him fight and you see him throw punches, mm-hmm. they appear to be vicious. Yeah. And just he can't seem to hurt anybody. No. And I don't know if the hand injury is, is playing a part in it. And that can be a terrible thing for a young fighter to have to battle through that. I don't know, man. It's, if there was one fighter that I was so high on a year and a half ago, a year ago, 
that has plummeted down my list, he is the guy, man. And and that's not to say I don't think he can't reach what I thought he could reach, but he's got he's got a lot to prove. Well, he really does. And these fights are not doing him any good. No, he's th- he's been past this level, and now he's coming back down to this level. Right. And and you know, and that's the point I was just about to make is, and I'd like to make right here is that Felix Verdejo is supposed to against this level of opponent. If this is the level of opponent that he has to fight to uh, mask an injury for him to have more time to recover from an injury, to get back where he was. That's all fine and good. But in this level of fight, he has to look good winning them. And he hasn't looked good in his last few fights. No, he hasn't. It, it, completely unimpressive wins is how I, how I would describe them. This one needs to be impressive. Yes, it and, does. And it's still not proven because he's had to step up after this one. If it ain't a knockout in the first five rounds, it's a disappointment. Sure. Showtime. Putting on perhaps the best card of the evening. from the, Holy shit. The Turning Stone Casino. Verona, New York. Showtime out, out doing HBO for once, huh? Yeah, wow. Yeah, but the ratings will probably still be half of what HBO does. <laughs> uh, Ruslan Provodnikov returns to the scene of the crime when he fought Lucas Matisse in a 2015 Fight of the Year candidate, uh, takes on big head John Molina. Um, <laughs> and this, to me, just seems like uh, a big old fat wiffle ball about the size of a basketball teed up for Provodnikov to put on a show and say, you know what? Thanks for signing with us, Provo. Um, here's a little uh, gift, and his name is Big Head John Molina. <laughs> you can't miss that target. Oh, that, that dome brings his body forward, whether he wants it to or not. Gravity grabs a hold of that, and the core of the earth may, pulls his brain down to the ground. Here's a, this fight, it could end up being on a certain level, not nearly as exciting as Salido Vargas was, but on a certain level, that type of brawl. It will be completely different skill wise. Oh yeah, this will be. This is a much. If, if there's ever a brawl, and you could call it semi sloppy to a certain extent, and and Molina can get really sloppy at times. And from what we've seen from him in his last couple fights, oh, he's looked like shit, dude. He is done. He is absolutely done. You done, son? Yeah, he's cashing checks. Provodnikov is going to destroy him. <laughs> destroy him. What round's your prediction? Yeah, if Molina makes it past the sixth round, I'd be surprised, man. I, I don't think he has the heart anymore. No, I, think, I think that's what we've seen from him. He was gun-shy against Broner. Provodnikov's going to knock his head off. Yes. Come on. It's not even close. Speaking of Broner, Provodnikov wants to fight Broner this fall. Would you love to see that? Oh, I would absolutely love to see that. I would go to that fight. If it was, <laughs> if it was on the East Coast and within driving distance, absolutely. Make it. Please. Sign it. Please do. Get it done. Demetrius Andrade, Bubu, returning to the fold. The last time you and I spoke at length about Bubu Andrade was asking, what the fuck are you doing with your career, my friend? Yeah. Sabotaging yourself at every angle. Um, takes on Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, a guy like we had been questioning since he uh, destroyed a top prospect of the PBCs. Old Tony Harrison. Old Tony. Old big time Tony. Oh, big time Tony. Showtime Tony. Um, <laughs> like, okay, so what? Harrison gets two more fights on TV before Willie Nelson gets one, but steps in the ring against Demetrius Andre, the guy um, who people revere his skill level being possibly, um, if not at the top, right there near the top of the 154-pound division. But let's let's consider the case of Demetrius Andre. Oh, yeah, you, you have know, to. Do we sit here and continue to fry this guy? I mean, let's be honest, okay? Let's... Let's go back in time a little bit. Andre's fought twice in two and a half years. Mm-hmm. All right. He's had three fights in three years. He fought his last fight, Dario Fabian Puneta, 
Oh, no, Puchetta. Puchetta. Uh, in October. Then he fought Brian Rose in June of 2014, so that's been two years. Mm-hmm. And the only name of recognition at the top 10 level that he's been in the ring with, Vonis Martirosian, fought to a split decision in a fight that Martirosian dropped him on the canvas. So we really need to evaluate at what level Demetrius Andrade's at because, let's be honest, he has no proven track record at 154 pounds outside of a fight with Vonis Martirosian that he struggled in. Yeah, you're exactly right. That I believe he won. Yeah, he uh, won. You know what I mean? But he struggled with. He has no track record outside of that at 154, has been inactive since then, has fought twice in three years since that fight. Why should I buy into Demetrius Andrade making this valiant comeback when there's no track record that this guy can get in the ring twice in the same year? No, you're exactly right. With that perspective, looking at it, looking at Andrade, you have to say this kid has proven absolutely zero, nothing. But I think me and you have also both said that when we see him fight, you do see you see it. You think you see it anyways. Mm-hmm. And that's still yet to be determined with this guy. I think he's slick. I think he's long. He stays within himself as a boxer. He doesn't, he's not a guy that goes for it. He's not a really exciting fighter. He's not your typical one, two guy, but he doesn't, he's not going to go after it either. He's a safe boxer. Willie Nelson is a scary fight for anybody. This is the second toughest fight of his career. Yeah. It really is. So when you hear quotes, okay, look, I'll give him respect for the context in which he put a lot of these quotes. But here's his commentary on the junior middleweight division as he leads into this fight this upcoming weekend at the Turning Stone. He says, I'm putting myself in the best position to fight for the WBO or the WBC title. There are rumors of a Canelo fight with Liam Smith. Let me fight Smith, and the winner gets Canelo. Or let me fight Canelo with the winner getting Smith. Now, if I was one of these hack douchebags out there that think that the conversation of who I want to fight means that that, that's actually going to happen, then I would believe that. How long has he been doing that? I mean, he spent the when he is not fighting. That's all he does is tell you who he's going to fight. He says, "I'm going to knock out the Charlo twins," and then fights the Pachettas of the world. Right. He says, "I'm going to knock out the Charlo twins." Both guys have fought on Showtime, so those fights shouldn't be too difficult to make. Once I take care of business with the Charlo twins, I'll fight Laura and clean up the division. Is that going to take eight years? Boo boo. I don't think I have time either. Yeah. Do I you mean, have time to no, wait for that? No, I don't have time, nor do I care. So he goes on to talk about he's plotted out he look, 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 he's has this next quote about uh Gennady Golovkin. But he <laughs> but but he's plotting out his his career. This career that has yet to take off. He says, I definitely want Golovkin, but let me build myself first by cleaning out one fifty four and then we'll have a mega fight with two different styles. Triple G is known for his knockouts. I knock people out too, but I'm a better boxer than him. It'll be one of the biggest fights in the sport of boxing. I'm going to clean up 154, make my reputation, and then it's a go with Golovkin. So that's going to be 10 years from now. Golovkin will have been retired for five years by the time that this timeline takes place. Oh, Demetrius, Demetrius, Demetrius. You are not a better boxer than Gennady Golovkin. I'm sorry. You might have a better jab. You might have a better straight left. Come on. You know why he thinks he's better than Golovkin. Yeah, let's I mean, be honest. Oh, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Why does he think he's better than Golovkin? Oh, yeah, he's uh, he's no, slicker. He shucks and jives more. Ken, what are you saying? I'm I just, wasn't. Are I'm, you, I'm asking you. I, I don't know. I, I'm asking you. Is it because he's black? I, I'm just saying that he doesn't have a reputation at 154. <laughs> so what? What is his reputation? Ah, dude. At 160, what makes him think that he can do that at 160 when he Mar- got knocked down by Vonis yeah. Martirosian? That's all you got to say right there. What if, does that same punch from Golovkin do to Andre? It concusses is, is he, him, and, and he will not get up. Is he even speaking anymore? No. 
Not for a couple minutes. <laughs> but that's my point. I mean, I, I know you think you're the superior athlete, that you're faster, and that you're, you know, th- this, that, and the other. Well, guess what? I mean, come on, man. Th- this does not equate in this conversation no. that you're talking about because what you've already said here is that you're going to beat the Charlotte Twins. You're going to beat Canelo. You're going to beat Liam Smith. You're going to beat Erzlandi Lara. And then after you're done beating all of them, you're going to fight Gennady Golovkin. Yet your best Don't leave fight- out the Charlotte Twins. Oh, and the Charlotte Twins. Exactly. Uh, how many champions is that? That's like six. He's unified two divisions at that point, hadn't he? But yet his biggest fight was a fight against Vonis Mar- Margarosian in which he hit the canvas. <laughs> Look, man, <laughs> I, this kid just needs to fight. I think he's got it. Th- there you go. You just said it right there. Just fight. Just, just fight. shut the fuck up and fight. If you win this fight and you beat somebody, you go on to fight one of the Charlos and beat them and pick up a belt, good for you. Because I think this kid has the ability to do it. I think he's... The second best 154 pounder in the world right now. He's better than Erzlandi Lara. He's not better than J Rock. That's where I put him, right in between those two guys. And I'm saying that with him only fought three times in two and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, just, that's the 154 pound division right there. Vince, just let him build himself first and make his reputation. Liam Smith fights Pedrag <laughs> Radosevich, and then you got these. These assholes in America that just gallivant around and act like they're going to fight each other when they have uh, no desire to get in the ring. Uh, 154 is the most fucking talking division yeah. in boxing. Uh, less talking, more fighting. All right, we go to the lightweight division, Vin. Dejan Zlati Cannon. Zlati was supposed to fight against Jorge Linares for his 135-pound crown. Linares breaks his hand. Zlati Cannon does not get his shot. In the interim, he's going to step in with Franklin Mamani. I'd watch Lottie Cannon fight your grandmother. <laughs> Seriously, dude. My grandma's 6'2". <laughs> <laughs> well, she's got a hell of a chance when they get this midget. Dude, Lottie Cannon is one of my favorite fighters around right now, man. I, I've only seen him fight a few times, but every time I've watched a guy fight, just something about the way he fights and just being a little guy. Zlati Diva. Oh, dude, he's a fucking thumper. He yeah. will destroy you. His a banger. His his left is ruthless. Franklin Mamani stand a chance? Um, no. <laughs> What's your prediction? Will it be a stoppage? Oh, I think it'll be a third, fourth round stoppage if it even goes that far. Zlati Cannon joining the party, getting some shine. There you have it. Demetrius Andre, Willie Nelson, Ruslan Provodnikov, and John Molina in the main event should be an exciting card from the Turning Stone on Showtime. That's right, folks. Oh, on Showtime. Watch out. Watch out now. Um, Vin, I think that'll do it, man. I think we're just going to wrap it up and leave it right there. Unless you have some news and notes, any, uh, any shade you'd like to throw out there to the masses? Um, well, Garcia's not in the news. <laughs> Khan's kind of a piece of shit. No, we can go. Hey, go ahead. End the show. Yeah, we'll just head it out. Uh, call it a quits here on 119. Episode 119 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. We want to thank all of you for tuning in to another episode of the Pound for Pound King. We want you all to subscribe. Please subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast on iTunes today, Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and, of course, the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. We appreciate you all tuning into episode 119. As we remember, Muhammad Ali, um, who passed away this past weekend, January 17th, 1942, to June 3rd, 2016, and we leave you with our little tribute song to Muhammad Ali. And thanks for tuning in to episode 119 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. I told you all 
of my critics. I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Out of handcuffed lightning, throw thunder in jail. Now you know I'm bad. Only last week I murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean I make medicine sick. The greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. I told you, all of my critics, I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Am I the greatest of all time? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. I'm the resurrected, the savior, the whole day. Am I the greatest of all time? I told you. All of my critics, I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. I'm the resurrected, the savior of the whole day. I'm a big man. But I'm so fast and so hard hit, I'm so scientific. People from all over the world are flying in. The chauffeurs are driving the Cadillacs down. This is the biggest thing in all history. When I'm when I'm going, boxing is going.